right. Well, good morning one more time. We are, um, for the rest of, of this summer, we're going to just do some different things. And today I'm going to preach first and we're going to worship at the end. We're going to do um, a new series, uh, the month of, of July, called What in the World? And really this has been something I've been thinking about for a while. Um, and I'm just going to answer some questions. And today I'm going to be talking about what in the world is happening with, with me. What in the world is happening with me? And um, But next week is VBS, and then we're going to talk about kids. And then the next week I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. What in the world is the Holy Spirit? And so we've just got some good what in the world stuff going on. But um, if you guys, uh, before I speak today, if you will give us permission, I want to do something a little bit different that we've never done here. This may not even work, okay? We're going to try it, but uh, a good friend of our church and somebody who has served this church for a long time, Jared Allgood, you may remember us praying for him, uh, he had a double lung transplant um, about three weeks ago. He has discharged and is actually at his mom's house in Houston, and we're going to call him, okay, and get an update from him. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's see if he'll pick up. Y'all feel like you're on the Tonight Show or something? Let's see if we can make it work. Hello? Jared? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Can you hear our, our church? Hey, what's going on? <laughs> hey, man, um, can you give us an update on uh, how, how you're feeling and um, what God's been doing? I, I know that we don't have a, a whole lot of time, but we definitely want to hear from you. So can you do that? Sure, man, sure. Uh, God's just been blessing. Uh, I'm doing really well. The doctors are really pleased with the progress I've made. Uh, they seem to be... I just real pleasantly surprised with how my recovery is going. Uh, every time we go, it's just good reports. Uh, the medications are doing good. I'm responding really well to everything. Uh, uh, last time we went to the doctor, we actually had some procedures scheduled for uh, this coming week, and they actually postponed them because everything is looking so good. Uh, I just, I just can't say enough about it. Uh, God's just really been showing out this whole, whole time. Uh, we got out of, got out of the hospital, actually earlier than what they normally uh, let people out because they said they've done everything they can do and there's nothing else that they want to do that they can't do as an outpatient uh, status. So, I mean, it's just, it's just been an incredible ride. That's so good, man. Yeah. You know, I just Okay. Well, I, since I can't, you go 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 ahead. I I just I want to thank everybody there. You know, I know it's because of the prayers and the thoughts and all of that. It's you know, everybody coming together to just lift us up and pray for us and all of that. It's you know, God's God's just been really good. Okay. Well, we, we sure love you. It's so good to hear, hear your voice. Um, I know this is an incredible miracle for you, and um, we're just with you. And I want to put you on, on, on the spot, okay? Um, it's, um, it's 4th of July weekend, so there's about 30 of us here. Um, but I'm, I'm about to preach, 
And since you uh, have so much favor right now, will you just pray over our service today? Absolutely. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Father God, we just love you. We thank you for all the blessings that you've given us and continue to bless us with. Father, we ask you to be with us today. Lord, uh, be on Pastor Kevin as he brings the message uh, and just open our hearts and our minds to you, Father. Keep us sensitive to your spirit. Uh, let your spirit move in a mighty way this morning, God, and, and let it let the word touch those who who are there who are who need to hear from you today, God. And Father, we just we just love you and we can't thank you enough for what you're doing. Uh, continue to do a work in your people uh, and just show out and and bless us. Let the Holy Spirit lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let, let's show this guy some love one, one more time. Amen. Okay. Well, we can't wait for you to get home, and when you get home here, because Texas is no place to live, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> All right. So when you, get, when you get home, we're going to do a panel and let you tell your whole story to our church, okay? All right. All right. We love you, man. I'll, I'll call you back too. so you can, you can talk to the 11 o'clock too, okay? All right. All right. So stay awake. <laughs> All right. No, no hydrocodone or anything, okay? All right. Bye. Mm, bye-bye. Isn't that good? So good. Double lung transplant. So crazy miracle that took place. So um, I am going to uh, hop into this this morning, and then, and then we're going to, to worship today. But again, I want to start this series, What in the World? And I want to begin uh, today with this series, What in the World is Happening with Me? And I want to ask you, um, you don't have to raise your hand, but I want to ask you, have you ever asked yourself this question? Like, what's going on with, with me? What, what, what's happening? Does it seem like, like myself? Um, things look differently in my life. Maybe you're turning a chapter. Um, maybe you're overcoming a circumstance. Um, maybe you're facing something that's challenging. And when you just look at yourself, you don't feel right in your own skin. And so that's what I want to address today, and I want to talk about a very sweet lady in Scripture that was experiencing this same thing. I don't know if you've ever had a chapter of your life where everything has gone wrong. I hope not. But it seems like, you know, sometimes when we get together, we're in a life group where we're having meal together, or sometimes even here just visiting in the aisles, you would begin to talk, and it feels like a lot, a large percentage of your life um, maybe taking a shift and just the, the flooring, the ground that, that you're on feels a little unstable. Like tornado season in the south, you aren't chasing storms, but the storms are certainly chasing you. And so it feels uh, very uh, irritating and full of fear and discouraging and this big ball of emotion sometimes can sit on your chest and it's so heavy you can't really identify what what is going on exactly in, in your life. Well, there's this lady that I want to talk about and this story is taught in three of the four Gospels by three different angles and they're very, very similar. Um, actually, just most of the verbiage or language is, is, is used is different and that's all, but the main principle of the story remains the same. So you can find this in Matthew 9, in Mark 5, or in Luke chapter 8 
And this lady, we don't even know her name, but she's referred to as the woman with the issue of blood. And sometimes you look at that, I mean, this is one of those stories that you never got on a flannel graph in Sunday school. You know, today we're going to talk about the woman with the issue of blood, okay? Listen up, children. You know, we just never talked about it like like that. But I'm going to talk about Luke chapter 8 is the one that I'm going to go with. And if you're following me today, um, I'm going to use verse 42 through 48. If you don't have your Bible, we're going to make it real easy for you. And so here, here we go. It says, but as he went, he being Jesus, the crowds were pressing against him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. Okay, King James Version says the hem of his garment. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, when I start reading this, I see a lot of things, and some of these I'm going to talk about this morning, but the number one thing that sticks out to me when I start this text is the duration of a problem. And as I've taught us many times, and as I try to remind myself often, is every problem does have an expiration date. It will end. That whatever we're involved in, whatever the circumstance, whatever it seems that the pressure that we're under, it's going to stop. At some point, it's going to end. But when you look at this story, it's kind of discouraging because you see 12 years. That's a long time to have the same problem. And so when we think about this, you know, to compare that, this would be like three presidential terms or eight national championships by Alabama. Okay, it's a very... I should have had a guest speaker come in on the 4th of July. <laughs> so this lady is hemorrhaging, and it's compounding all the rest of her problems. I think you've probably experienced this with somebody in your close circle that you see a sickness, and then you see it affect everything. You see one thing happen, and like dominoes, other things begin to fall. It's like life is about spinning plates, and when you tie one arm behind your back, you just don't have the efficiency that you used to have, and things start to fall, and things start to slip. This is certainly where she is, and so I want to take a very quick look. I don't want to spend our time here, but I want to take a very quick look at the obvious things that are taking place. So let's assess her really quick, and just so we can get a strong context of maybe what's happening in in her life and what has been surrounding it for over a, a decade. Obviously, she is dying physically. She has looked at the medical community for help, and they have tried everything. The story goes on to tell us that that she has spent all she had, and so she has been reaching out for help. Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? And the answer has been no and no, or let's try this, and it wasn't effective. There just hasn't been any type of cure for her circumstance for 12 years. 
So it's safe to say that life is in the, the, the blood. And we can run with that spiritually or physically, that blood has a life source to it. And typically when you have a blood problem, you have a life and death type circumstance. And so this was something that obviously is very important. It's very weighty. But she is a fighter. And she is battling this thing out. She is aggressive. She's talking with people. She's meeting with a medical community. But nothing is happening, and she's not winning. So she's of this mentality that my time is very limited. All right? And so keep in mind, when you're dealing with people who, who know my time is limited, there may just be a few more pages, their whole mentality shifts. The way they see the world, the way they see their relationships, the way they see their children completely changes and everything becomes prioritized so much clearly. And so this is, is where she is, knowing that every day might be the last day. She's also depleting financially. Mark tells it this way in chapter 5. It says she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. I don't know what, what, what that means. There's so much here that, that is vague. Does that mean um, experimental medicine? Does that mean things that were just discomforting to her? Things that were embarrassing or shameful to her? Things that, that she just, just had pain over? She spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, it says she grew worse. She spent all of her money on getting better. She is diminishing physically, but also financially. And many times, isn't it true that these circumstances go hand in hand? Let me talk about culture for just a second. Southern culture oftentimes is to stay sick and broke. To stay sick and broke. And a lot of times if you are talking to a person in that in one of those categories, a lot of times, now this is just experientially, I'm not talking about research, but experientially it seems that if you find a person in one category, they're not too far from the other. So being broke and the stress and depression caused by that circumstance often starts to affect you physically. And a lot of times when you have physical ailments and you can't work and you don't have energy and you're fatigued and all of those things, it can affect you financially. So these two are in tandem. We often find them to be conjoined. But here's what, what, what I think we would all agree with, and that is that oftentimes, and I'm not picking on the South, but it's just where we live. So we have a stronger context for this. But oftentimes in Southern culture, it's like we pass this on generationally. Sick and broke, sick and broke, sick and broke, sick and broke. And because great-granddad was broke and didn't have confidence, then granddad didn't have confidence, father didn't have confidence, you don't have confidence, and if we're not careful, our kids will not have confidence. So we, we pass it on as a mentality. I'm not going to call it a spirit or a generational curse, but in a lot of ways, that's what it is. It's something that we continue to hand down and we put a lid on it. We put a lid on so, many, on so much potential. And we, we put a lid on, on, on lives and on circumstances and on marriage and on finances because it's all that some have known. 
They don't have, they don't have a context for anything else. So sick and broke and just surviving life and just barely making it through becomes something that we routinely see. Many times they are truly conjoined. So she is dying physically. She's depleting financially. And she's disconnected spiritually. I want you to think about this. According to Old Testament law, once someone is deemed incurable, they would have a phrase for them called unclean. Now, that's the phrase that we, that we, we, we would use, but it, it comes to more of a societal declaration of stay away. Okay, They actually would make those with leprosy come through the town yelling this. Unclean. Unclean. Stay away. And people would scurry away from them. It's possible that because of her inability to find a cure, that she could not touch or be touched. So it wasn't until after the healing came that she could even enter a temple and ask a priest to pray for the atonement of, of her sin. I want you to think about this. Spiritually, the spiritual and mental toll of what it felt like for her to carry sin in her life for over a decade. Feeling as if there were no, no atonement. Jehovah God is not listening. He's not doing anything. I'm a sinner. I'm sick. I'm broke. These are all things that were going on in, in her life. This physical condition had to have certainly affected her spiritually. Then she was distanced socially. Again, if she was deemed incurable, if you touched her, then you became un unclean. So imagine not being embraced for 12 years. And there's a lot that, that we don't know. Was she married? Did she have children? Maybe she couldn't embrace her own children. Now I, I, know, I know this. When I'm gone for a few days without Riley, I can't wait to hug her. Of course, Robbie can't keep her hands off me. But I go to, I go to Riley, I'm like, you know, I need to hug you. And that, that, that embrace is so healing. That, so think about what that does to a soul. Think about a decade without physical touch, without a hug, without an, an embrace, without a high five, without a handhold, without, without some form of physical affection that says, I love you. And then biblically, she is labeled as the woman with the issue. Now, women, if you're here today and you have an issue, just raise your hand. God, y'all are slow. Wow, this is terrible. Men, if you're married to a woman with an issue, raise your hand. Okay, there you go. That's some brave souls right there. <laughs> the woman <clears throat> with the issue. Imagine if this were truly her social name. Be careful, here she comes. Steer clear, here she comes. Look out, there she is. Don't go to that particular market. That's where she hangs out, the woman with the issue. And Mark 5 says, instead of getting better, she got worse. No healing, no resource. Limited inter interaction, limited answers, stuck. What in the world is happening with me? 
what in the world? This isn't the life I signed up for. What in the world? This isn't how my dreams went when I was a small child. What in the world is going on? Is there a God? Is there anybody who, who would stay with me in this journey? What in the world? You know how we say it here. What in the world is going on? Look around. We quickly are looking for answers and resolve, and we can't make it make sense. And we're like, what in the world is happening with this? Surely there was a part of her life that was thinking this way. But the story takes a great turn when she hears that Jesus is close. We don't know exactly what was happening internally. The Spirit doesn't reveal that to the authorship. But we know that something started to stir in her, and Jesus identifies it later as faith. And I think that she began to compartmentalize, yes, these things have happened. Yes, I'm sick. Yes, I'm broke. Yes, I don't have any society connection. Yes, spiritually, I feel empty, but there is something about this Jesus. And the stories of what had been going on in other people's lives, she had to have thought at some point, if he can do that for them, then maybe he can do that for me. And that little measure of faith that's in all of us begin to rise in her life, and she took action. So the first big thought I want to leave you with today is this. Receiving from God always starts with recognizing that He is the source. So if you're here today, and you're asking yourself this question, what in the world is happening with me? Realize that He is the source. Thank God for friendships, but they aren't the source. Thank God for the medical community, but they will not be the source. A source, yes. The source, no. Thank God for finance, but is it the source? No. Thank God for our family support, but is it the source? No. He is the source. And when we start to look at our circumstance through His divine lens, to know that His plan is the greater reality, things can begin to change. Our faith can begin to grow. Verse 43 says, And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind Him and touched the fringe of His cloak and immediately, her hemorrhage stopped. Man, this has been preached a million ways. I've been in church my whole life, and I've heard this preached in 31 flavors. I mean, I, I, I know that they're, they're, it's, it's preached, you know, about, about his cloak and the tassel and the Old Testament um, view of that. It's been taught about her persistence and coming through the crowd, and he's about to walk by, and she reaches out. It's like, it's like she was going for his arm, and then he got too far, and she was reaching for his leg, and he was too far. So she finally just grabbed a piece of his garment, and the faith did something. We don't know all those. All of that is speculative. All we know is she touched his clothes and something happened. Jesus identifies it. But Matthew 9, she says, it says it this way, If I 
can but touch his garment, I will be healed. I believe that in the middle of her what-in-the-world moment, she started talking to herself. She started having thoughts about faith, and she came to a conclusion. And that conclusion was this. If I'm at the end of me, but I might be at the beginning of him, and something began to shift. And so oftentimes when people lose faith in other people, they also lose faith in God. Don't let that happen to you. You may have gone to a counselor. You may have gone to a doctor. You may have sought help. And you feel incurable. You feel like your circumstance won't spin. And days are turning to months. And months are turning to years. And the chapter seems to be long and arduous. Don't lose the faith in God. Let this story remind you that God can do more in 12 seconds than we can do in 12 years. And in verse 45, something incredibly powerful happens. Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? Who touched me? And he makes this comment, power has left me. Well, this is is a very big crowd, okay? So why didn't everyone just get a little bit of that power, okay? Like a Benny Hinn moment, you know, like this this section, take it, you know, and everybody. Sorry. It was inappropriate for those of you listening on podcasts. I'm sorry. Why didn't everybody get something? Big crowd, big God. But here's the fundamental difference, and it's actually found in what Peter's response to him is. When he says, who touched me? Peter comes up with this. He says, Master, many are pressing you. King James says, thronging you. Many are all around you. We're brushing up against you. We're trying to work you through this crowd. What do you mean, who touched you? He says, because I, I felt power leave my, my, my body. But there's a big difference. Hear me, because here's, here's the takeaway. There's a big difference between pressing and touching. There's, there's, there's a big difference between being in the fan club and being in need. There's a big difference between someone who wants an autograph and someone who wants his awesomeness. It's a big difference. So here's here's my confrontation with us today. How often do we come to church and have worship and word and fellowship and we press but never touch? How often is symbolically our service like those in the crowd? We're, we're here, Lord. We're, we're, we're pressing. We're, what do you mean? We're, we're brushing up against you. He said, no, no, that's, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone touched me. Big difference. There's a big difference between us just being in the same room. There's, there's a big difference between, between just being there and being thirsty, just wanting something, reaching out to Him by faith. So the second point, this will be my last one. Don't settle for better 
when you can have finished. Don't settle for better when you can have finished. Jesus says, who touched me? This is very similar tone and cadence to the Garden of Eden. Adam, where are you? And I have to balance this out between sovereignty and, and, and realism. But I believe that the sovereignty of God knew exactly where Adam was. I believe what he wanted from Adam was Adam to come out from hiding and say, I'm, I'm right here. This is what happened. The, the, the relationship was so much more important to the Father than what had been done and Adam's reaction. Adam, where are you? Where are you? Same, same thing here. Who, who touched me? My mind plays tricks on me sometimes when I read this because I don't know if this is a, is a question for Peter or for the crowd. Who touched me? He's one, he's one, he knows, he knows. If we look at it, if we read it through sovereignty, he knows who did it. What he wants is to call her out of privacy, out of hiding. Who touched me? He wants to hear her story. And this is, this is the one reason why I had us call Jared this morning. Because I want us to, to hear the stories of what God is doing in people's lives because it is amazing at how many of us experience miracles on some level on a daily basis and don't say anything. But he wants to know what's happened. What's going on? Tell these people about your interaction with the power of God. He's calling her out of, of seclusion and saying, tell us your story. Verse 47 says, she declared in the presence of all what had happened. Listen, I don't know everything about her story. You don't either. But I know the response from Jesus. And this is where she goes from being healed to being whole. All right? He says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This is one of the best three-point sermons. He was such an incredible, very thoughtful, very intentional. I want you to leave, leave this up for a minute. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Again, if we look through, through the, 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 the context of her experience, depleted spiritually, depleted financially, depleting physically, depleting relationally. And what does he call her? Daughter. That one word took her from healing to whole. This, this, this relationship, this family, this being a daughter of the Messiah, daughter, no longer woman with the issue, daughter. And this is your faith has what made you well. Imagine the Son of God speaking to you and going, you're healed. I mean, how complete would that be? You wouldn't have to get a second opinion. You wouldn't have to go and do follow-up. I mean, if he says it's over, it's over. And then he gives this great word, peace or shalom. 
this, this deep rest. Like, stop the worry. It all ends. It's all over. It's finished. Rest. Shalom. Be in peace. Family relationship, healing, peace in the same sentence. Daughter, your faith has made, made you well. Here's, here's the truth this morning. Worship team, if you want to go ahead and come up. Everyone wants to be blessed, but relationship trumps it every single time. I believe her hemorrhage stopped when she touched him, but I equally believe that her heart healed when he called her daughter. Because God doesn't just want you to have a body that works. He wants you to have a life that works. And you can be blessed with a house, but it takes relationship with Christ to have a home. You can have a dream job, but it doesn't have purpose if it doesn't have Him. And so this morning, if you're here, and you're at this place where you're like, what in the world is going on with me? I want you to, to consider, have you gone to the source? Have you gone to the source? Have you given up? Are you settling for anything other than wholeness? Don't be fooled into thinking that you're just trying to survive it out. God has called us to a life of abundance. And I believe truly this morning that the seasons and chapters that are so hard for us, they will end. But maybe it's been a while since you've really touched this morning. Maybe you've, maybe you've pressed. Maybe you've come, you've attended, you've served. You've resourced our church. And all, all of that is bib, bib, biblical, but there's something about getting into the presence of God and, and, and touching Him, getting a hold of Him. And that's what I want to challenge us with this morning. So I'm going to have our worship team come out, and we're, we're, we're going to worship God. I want you to stand all across the building, just front to back, side to side.